0: Good morning. This morning we're going to be uh, beginning the eleventh uh, chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, this this, this uh, chapter has had a number of uh, titles: uh, the Hall of Faith, the Heroes of Faith, so on and so forth. Any, any number of uh, items you would want way to, to, to depict to it. It gives a it uh, it is it's it's kind of an interesting what it does is it is it takes those who have gone before us. Uh, And it uh, starts with the antediluvians, those who lived before the flood. It starts with the second human being ever born on this planet, Abel. And it traces the history of faith through those folks to the patriarchs, to Moses and the giving of the law and the exodus and the taking of the land into the judges and the prophets. And the one consistency is... They lived by faith. That's, that's the consistency. I, w- I said a little bit earlier bef- before we got started that you can take chapter 11 out completely and the theological flow of the book stays the same. Chapter 11 is here because it's addressed to Hebrews. Hebrews are the second generation believer Hebrews who lived in the first century A.D., uh, who came to Christ probably it's we don't know this for sure, but probably some of these folks were pushed out of Rome when uh, when Claudius gave his edict to uh, that no Jews could be in Rome because he was fed up with them um, And uh, uh, and they were and then they went, you know, people like Priscilla and Aquila, who we see in Corinth, uh, that kind of that kind of uh, idea that 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 may be we don't know for sure because the author doesn't tell us these things. We kind of speculate on them. But uh, but uh, uh, these folks are recently out of Judaism and Judaism had degenerated over the centuries from a faith-based religion in Yahweh to a work system. And they have been steeped in that now for literally centuries. Of, of uh, the way to please God is by keeping the law and keeping all these ritualistic requirements and this, that, and the other thing, and do this and don't do that, and and uh, you know don't walk around with a couple pieces of grain in your pocket because that's working on the Sabbath. You know, that, that kind of thing. But then, of course, since you have a lot of land and you need to keep track of it, you just build little houses all over the land so that you can go from the little house to the little house so that that's still keeping the law. You didn't leave your home. You know, that kind of ritualistic nonsense. That's, that's the way they had operated. And they'd operated that way for centuries. So the author here interjects this list of their forefathers of those who have gone before him, all the way back to Abel. And he says, what is the consistency throughout the history of the people of God? They lived by faith. And as I, I listed here a couple of references, Hebrews 10.38, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, the, f- the righteous shall live by faith. That's, that's, that's the theme. That's the theme. And so as we come into this text... Uh, That's what he's wanting, wanting to make clear. That's why all of these people are here. It's over and over again by faith, by faith, not by their works, by faith. That's, that's, that's the, that's the bottom line here. And you can, you can, you can just, uh, you, you can see that that would have an impact on these people who are, who are being under for the large part. Not, they're not under. They haven't yet faced imperial Roman persecution, but they certainly uh, they certainly faced um, persecution from their own other Jews, their family, um, uh, trying to pull them trying to pull them back to uh, to uh, the Judaistic practices of the day. And uh, and as a result of that, uh, the author here says, "Look." Your grandpa is wrong, because his great 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 grandpa lived by faith, and everyone before him did too. That's that's the that's the that's the thrust of this chapter as we move into it. Now, by now, faith that's 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 where it begins. Now, faith that's the the idea, and it's going to run through it. There's I counted it up, and now I forgot. There's 33 references to faith in in Hebrews, and I think 28 of them are in this chapter. I think it's 28. It may be 25. I forgot now. Should have wrote it down. Anyway, but at any rate, and I counted them too. But anyhow, 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 there's most of it is right here in this chapter. Right here in this chapter. So that's that's the thrust of this chapter, and that's why this chapter is here. This chapter is here to show those first, those first century second generation Jewish believers who have been steeped in a ritualistic uh, system. And have been brought out of it now by by uh, by being by the by the grace of by putting their faith in Jesus Christ by His grace they have they have come out of that system but they're still being pulled at it they're still being pulled and trying to folks trying to get them to come back to it and and here he tells them no it's always been always been and always will be by faith that's that's what the chapter is going to tell us. So uh, before we get into it, uh, we have any prayer requests this morning? I know of two. Our our friend uh, Margaret Landucci and her daughters. They uh, her her dad passed away this this week. Um, so um, 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 you might want to, if you would, keep keep them in in prayer, and because uh, Margaret's going to have to deal with it all. Uh, uh, she she didn't really get any help from the rest of her family, so. She's got to deal with the whole thing, and uh, uh, and then uh, uh, Charlie uh, um, Clayton had a heart attack this past oh. week, and uh, I guess he's doing well. He sent an email. We we go to the Bible study at his house, and he basically said he needed a couple weeks to rest, so we're not going to meet. So uh, so so I guess he's doing well, but uh, but at any rate, those are two I know of that uh, we need to keep. Uh, and the girls and her folks. Oh, yeah. They're on the road now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mark <laughs> came in last night and kind of went... Mark helped. <laughs> <check>. <laughs> that was very nice. <laughs> and Bob. Sorta. you oversee? I had to leave. I had an emergency. Uh, uh, Sarah's dog got lost. Oh. She loves that dog. And he got <laughs> lost out of my backyard, so. uh, Oh Oh, But well, We found him about five miles from our house. Ooh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I can't believe it's true. A dog can move. He's got three. Yeah. So. Anything else this morning, Warren? Can I ask you to open us this, this morning, please? Father, I mean all sorts of things happen to us during the time we have. The one thing that keeps us sane is knowing that you're in control of all of this, and that you are there to help us. You sent your spirit to us. You sent your sons, so we can have that eternal life. The that amen okay we're going to begin with uh, uh what i titled the essence of faith um uh the 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 things that make up faith it's it is it is it is in not a complete but it is a definition of faith and uh he begins by saying he be, the author begins by saying, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen this uh, this sent this passage, this sentence is typical uh, Hebrew parallelism. The uh, two sections basically say the same thing in a different way is is what he 's saying here, but there are some some unique features to pull out of it." <clears throat> And while it's it, like I said it's not a complete theological definition of faith it's it's a pretty accurate de- uh, uh, um, uh, definition that gives the basic essence of faith uh, saving faith is a commitment to the whole per- of the whole person to the whole christ that's 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 the idea that uh, scripture expresses throughout about faith it's a it's a co- total commitment of all you are to all he is. That's and believing all that he is. That's it's that kind of idea. It 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 includes it includes the it includes the uh, 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 it includes the intellect. It includes the will. It includes uh, or excuse me. It includes the emotions and it includes the will. It, it includes the whole person. All that makes up personhood is to be involved in faith. Uh, that's, that's really where we start from. And he begins by saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's the first thing he says. It's a, he, he, he talks about it as an assurance of things hoped for. And it's based upon, as I said, the whole person. First of all, it's based upon knowledge. Uh, there, it's grounded in objective propositional truth. That's what we call the Bible. The Bible is objective propositional truth. And we are to accept it. We are to we are to be have faith that it is that, the truth. Uh, Galatians two six says, knowing that a man is just not justified by the by, by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing it means a it means a solid knowledge of that is something that is to be ingrained in your brain. You're to understand that. You're to know that. Uh, that's that's the idea of that text. Secondly, there there is an assent to that knowledge or an emotional response to that m- m- knowledge. We're t- we're to know the truth, but we're also to embrace that truth. Second Timothy one twelve, I know whom I I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what I've entrusted to him. I, I have an, an emotional response in that, in, in that uh, I know the truth and I assent to that truth. I accept that truth. I make that truth a part of my being. And then thirdly, I put trust or volition or will in that. Uh, faith is a transference of self-reliance to Christ alone for salvation. I no longer trust me to save me, which I can't do, never could do, but probably thought I could at one time. But but to uh, I, I told you this before. My younger brother, who he's got all these lists of accomplishments after his name, all these different phil- philanthropic groups that he's a part of. He's you know if you see the Shriner Hospital ad, he's one of the board members. You know, on and on and on. He's, he's on the board of trustees for Cal State System. I don't know that he's real proud of that one. But anyway, uh, he, he's usually the the, uh, the negative vote for all that stuff <laughs> that they do. But at any rate. You know, those kind of things. And he told me one day, I'm not afraid to die. I can face God with what I've done. No, you can't. Because the one thing you've never done is accept Jesus Christ. You know, that's, that's, this is a total, total person. You have to know, you have to ascend, and you have to try, you have to make it an act of your will. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's, that's what we trust in. We trust in that Christ bore that burden. Uh, this is where our faith rests. That's what we are to be assured of. That's what he's telling us. We are to be assured of that faith. Uh, we're to know it. We're to have a, we, ha, we are to have responded to it. And we are to put our trust wholly in it, that's that's where our assurance comes from. He says of the the assurance of the things um, things hoped for. There's some translators that they, they they put an interesting translation on this. It, I, I bring it up just because it kind of it kind of suggests uh, the impact of what he's saying here. This this assurance. He says they, they see it uh, the the things hoped for as the title deed to our inheritance. Is the is the idea that they they, they try to put on this, this idea here. The more accurate translation is this, but, but it, it kind of emphasizes what he's trying to say here. He says, this, you have title deed to this. God has given it to you. It's, it's entrusted to you. Assurance is a word that's it's it's made up of two Greek words. One is to stand and the other one is under. In other words, what it expresses is this is the foundation that we stand on. That, that's the idea here. Uh, this is the this is the solid rock uh, of Scripture that we stand on. It, it's it's where something is built uh, and it has a it has a certainty to it. It's not going to crumble. It's not going to fail. Uh, years ago, there's a neighborhood that's a couple of blocks behind me, and the uh, uh, it's right off a of white lane. And the builder apparently uh, he had the inspector come out and inspect all the. Footings, footings, where the footings were to be poured before they were poured, the pre-pour. And he had them inspected, and everything, you know, they passed, everything was fine, and then he backfilled them. So he didn't have to put so much cement in there. A year later, the houses went, you know, and there was a big lawsuit over it. Foundations are important. This foundation won't break. It passed inspection. It's solid. That's, the, that's, that's what he's saying here. That's the assurance, the solid foundation on which we stand. The German theologian, Zachary who uh, U- who is a uh, Reformation area, uh, era uh, uh, theologian, Protestant theologian, in 1586 wrote, True faith, created in me by the Holy Spirit through the gospel, is not only a knowledge that everything that God has revealed in his word is true, but also a deep-rooted assurance excuse me, that not only others, but I too had my sins forgiven, have been made made forever right with God, and have been granted salvation. These are gifts of sheer grace earned for us by Christ. That's that's, that's a, a really excellent idea of this assurance. That's the assurance we have, that we are right before God because of what Christ has done. That's that's what we're assured of. That's where our foundation stands. Uh, this same word assurance is used in three in chapter in chapter three, verse fourteen. There it's translated in the EVS. It's translated uh, uh, confidence, but it's the same Greek word. And there he wrote. And there he wrote, uh, "For we have uh, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end." That's that's the confidence, the sure foundation on which we stand. The author of Hebrews expresses the idea that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the things that God has promised. They're they're a sure foundation. That's the idea that he's he's letting us know that he's he's talking about here. And he says that they're hoped for, and this is expressed. This uh, this whole uh, hope for is not a, gee, I wish this would happen. You know, it's not that kind of idea. This is an assured. That's the idea here. This is a guarantee. This is that title deed. The one, the the one translator is talking about. It's not something that uh, that is uh, a pie in the sky. Maybe it'll happen, and maybe it won't. It's absolutely assured. This hope will come to pass. It's active and it's progressive. It's related to the things that God has promised to the believer. In ten, in ten twenty three, he wrote. He wrote, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. That's the that's the idea here. This hope is a faithful promise that will absolutely come true. That's that's what he's wanting to say here. John Owens wrote all the things of present grace and future glory. That's that's what he's talking. That's what he wrote on this text. That's what he's that's what he's talking about here. That it's, it's, it's all those things, the present grace and the future glory. It's all promised. It's all guaranteed. That's the assurance that he's talking about in this, in this text. And then in the second part of the, of the, of the, uh, I keep looking at that clock. It's, it's, it's still 10 minutes after eight. Anyway, uh, uh, it's been 10 minutes after eight since we walked in the room. But anyway, uh, anyway, at any rate, he says, it's, the conviction of things not seen. The parallel verse. It's assurance and conviction. They're they're su- synonymous mou- uh, nouns. Uh, here, it's talking about the inner conviction, or or that or having been convinced uh, uh, that this is uh, this is a, a, a an absolute, uh, really beyond this world promise is is the idea here. Uh, the person of faith. Lives his belief is the idea here. It's lived out. It's 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 the re, the result of this faith of uh, this assurance is that we have a conviction that is demonstratable. That's that's really the idea here. It's it's seen in in how we respond to life, uh, and that's going to be seen in the following examples as he goes through verse. First four and the rest of the uh, the rest of the chapter, he shows how that is that is lived out. You he, he, he understand that none of us and none of them had ever heard the audible voice of Jesus, nor had they ever seen him, nor had they ever se- nor has have they seen God. First uh, John five one, John 1, 18. but Romans eight twenty four says that hope hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes in what he has seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, we want it. Uh, we uh, we wait for it with patience. That's the idea here. He's, he's wanting. He's wanting us to express. We have placed our hope in the reality of the salvation God has promised through Jesus Christ. That's 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 the conviction that we hold. It's a, it's a conviction that is absolutely assured, and it's a conviction that is to be lived out. That's what he's telling these folks as he begins with this. He says, now hope is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Yeah, we haven't seen them come to reality yet, but they will because God has promised them. And we hold that both as an assurance, a solid foundation, and as a conviction, a solid conviction as well. That's that's what he's that's what he is uh, that's what he's wanting to to express, and we do that we do that with patience. Secondly, in verse two, <clears throat> he says, "For by it the people of old received their commendation." really simple and quick verse and he's 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 he, but he but it has some power to it it has a lot a lot to not going on here uh, by the conviction and assurance that faith provided the people of old w- are commended that's the first thing he says they they're commended their faith is commended God, in other words here the holy spirit through the author of hebrews puts down this list of people and he begins the first two the first two he uses the word commended and Basically, it means that word is to be applied to all the rest of them. He just didn't keep repeating it. it, it, that it, it you could put it over each one where it says, by faith, God commended. Uh, that, that could be true. But he says these people of old, uh, literally the word is the ancients or elders. Uh, it's the same, same word that's used in 1-1 that's translated forefathers. It's pointing back to those who went before us. When he gets to verse 12, he's going to say, the cloud of witnesses. He's going to call them that, there. That's what he's talking about. There are those who preceded us in faith. That's basically what he's saying. And he's telling these people, you have a list, you have a list of individuals who have preceded you in faith. And he says, what they were recognized for by God was their faith. It wasn't that they kept any laws. It wasn't that they did certain ritualistic things. They didn't go through all these washings, necessarily. In fact, some of them preceded all that stuff. Uh, they didn't do any of the things the, the uh, scribes and Pharisees had laid out in all their rules and regulations. That wasn't what God remembered. What God remembered is they acted in faith. That's what he remembered. And that's what he commended them for. That's why they're acceptable before him because of their faith. And a couple of things that, uh, that we might point out about this. First of all, faith is not something new. It's, it's an old grace. It existed since the second human being ever born. Literally. In this text. Because the first person he's going to mention is Abel. This says, by, by faith, Abel was commended. The Second human being ever born on the face of the earth. That's where, that's where, it, where it technically begins. I mean, obviously, I think uh, Adam and Eve probably were, were... Grace was extended to them, obviously, because they continued. And, uh, and, uh, and probably they came back to their God... Uh, but in their children, the first one to demonstrate faith is Abel. And then we go through this whole list of individuals uh, from there. Uh, Genesis, Genesis 4, 1 through 2, uh, tells us the story. And tells us that's who, that's who Abel is. He's the second person ever born on the planet. Uh, verse 4 also goes on with that. Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary, says, It's not a new invention, a modern fantasy. It is a grace that has been planted in the souls of man ever since the covenant of grace was published in the world and has been practiced from the beginning of revelation. Uh, that's, That's the idea here. Faith has always been the standard. And faith is nothing new. Faith isn't something that came with the New Testament. Faith came with the second human being ever born. That's that's literally the idea here. Uh, four, uh, uh, verse 4 and following, it goes through them. It goes through those pre-flood people. It goes to the patriarchs. It goes to the law and the exodus and the taking of the land. It goes to the time of the judges and then through the prophets. And all of them are commended by one thing, faith, in each one of those verses. It doesn't talk about the deeds they did. It doesn't talk about anything that they ever accomplished. It simply says... By faith. Whatever they did, they did by faith. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line here. Hebrews 10.38 which, which says, by my righteous one, <coughs> But my righteous one shall live by faith. That's a quote from Habakkuk uh, 2.4 and we had the other verses that go with that. That's, that's the point. That's the standard by which God commends his people. Faith. Secondly, uh, their faith was their honor, uh, or, or yeah, was their honor, and it reflected honor on them. I, it was an honor. Uh, God honored them because of their faith is literally what this saying. That's the idea of this word commend. Uh, God gives him recognition on behalf of their faith. Uh, their faith Shows them, honors them to us today, and it, honor, and it was an honor to them as well that they, they exercised faith. I mean, I don't know that we want to take that too far because faith is a grace that is given to us by God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Uh, but here the, the Holy Spirit gives us the record of those who are gods because of their faith, because that's how they operated. No, uh, faith has always been the standard from Abel to today. It it hasn't changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's that's the bottom line here. Uh, and and that and it it in it uh, uh, he calls out here. He's reminding these, especially these people. Keep in mind the historical setting. He's calling out these people. to say, look, don't turn back to the works. Don't let don't let. Don't let your family and the rabbis and, and the Jewish community around you try to convince you that you've got to go back to those works. They don't, they don't work. The works don't work. That's, 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 what he's, that's what he's saying here. He says, don't go back to that Judaistic system. You've got to stay true to the gift of grace given you by faith. And that's what you're being commended for, your faith, Ephesians 2:8-9. And then he says he says And then he says to us uh, that basically we're reminded of this as well. For those of us living today, this this, this transcends the decades. It comes to us today. And and it, it means that first Corinthians four uh, two I took this from the King James just for you, Donna. Uh, but at any at any rate, moreover it is required in Stuarts that a man be found faithful. That's the requirement. It hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. Uh, God, from the beginning, from the dawn of revelation, as uh, as Matthew Henry put it, uh, to today, faithfulness is a standard. Faithfulness is a standard uh, from Abel to me and you and beyond. The righteous shall live by faith. That's 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 what he's wanting us to understand here. Uh, it's an assurance. It's a conviction and by it we receive condom, uh, uh, combina- uh. thank you <laughs> got tongue tied and then he goes on and he says then he, then he does something interesting here he could go right into the from here verse 3 you know he could go right into verse 4 and start giving us the background but he gives us something else about faith first he he says something that is a message to everyone. Uh, it's about faith of everyone, and this is kind of interesting. He says, "By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what we see has not been made out of anything, any things that are visible." The first thing he points out is, "Listen." If you are going to put your faith in God, the first thing you've got to do is believe He is the Creator. That's the first thing you've got to believe. You understand that a lot of what is going on in theology today, that is nonsense, rests with the fact that there are a whole bunch of theologians that are trying to are trying to blend what the non-believing scientific community wants to tell you about evolution, about the universe, about all these other kinds of things. And in so doing, they pervert their whole theological system. That's what happens. You know, you change one little piece of theology and it has reflections through all the rest. You can't just take one thing and tweak it and not wind up messing up everything else. That's really, really what happens. And basically what the author here is saying, here's the beginning point. Are you going to take God at his word for the first thing he said? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we believe we use the term ex which means out of nothing, which is what this verse says. That's what it's saying here. He's saying, out of nothing God made. So we... We come to this text and that's the the first thing he says. He says, uh, he says, the first thing you got to believe is what God said first. He created. He is the creator God. I I think uh, for me here, the uh, question comes to mind that was asked by a man a long, long time ago. And probably been asked, uh, probably uh, should be asked to all of us from time to time. Uh, But a guy named Job got asked this question by God in chapter 38, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? I have to tell you, I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself wallowing in some kind of a pity party somewhere along the line because of something that was just unjust and that shouldn't have happened to me, somewhere along the line, that verse pops into my head and I go, okay, I'm shutting up now. You know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? That's that's the question. And any he, any. He, and, he, and, and like I said, the list could have began in verse two, right after verse two. But but he does and He puts this in. He says, here's the starting point. What are you going to believe? Are you going to take God at his word? Are you going to exercise faith before you go into all these people who did? Because here's the starting point. The starting point is Genesis 1, 1 and it, and that's that's where it starts genesis 1 and following I also see romans chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 20 4. His invisible attributes, mainly His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. In other words, the whole world is without excuse, because all you've got to do is look at the universe, and it bespeaks a Creator. Mm-hmm. Psalms, chapter 19, one of my favorite psalms, incidentally, but uh, verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pour out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor there are words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends, ends of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bar- bridegroom leaving his chambers, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It, it, its rising is from the, uh, the ends of the heavens. And it circuits to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And basically what he is saying is here the general revelation of God in the creative order of things in the universe bespeak a creator. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, the seasons, they follow one another. All this happened by accident. It just happened. You know, it's saying, no, God created it that way. That's, that's the beginning point. Creation declares God. That's what he's saying. And he's basically saying, and it was created out of nothing. That's, that's the idea here. And I was talking earlier to my geologist son. And uh, I was asking him a couple of questions because I was looking up a couple of different things. You know, there, there are various theories about, uh, that man has offered as to how the universe came into existence. And one of the ones that stood around for a long time, and I asked him about the whole deal about what scientists call hypothesis theory, theory law, and proof. You know, and there is no scientific proof of anything. Uh, there are laws, but not proofs. Uh, Hypothesis are something somebody's come up with that there's some evidence for, and a theory is something that has a whole lot more evidence for it. So, but the first one that if you look it up, they'll probably tell you it's a theory, but if you actually look at it, they tell you, no, it's a hypothesis, which is the nebula hypothesis, which basically says that a bunch of dust and gas got into a circular motion and created a flat plane which evolved into universes and that one existed for a long, long time. It was replaced by one that is technically a theory, which is the Big Bang Theory. Now, there are some theologians who ascribe that the Big Bang Theory, if properly understood, could fit Genesis 1-1, because basically what the theory says, that a massive burst of energy caused the universe to come into existence. Now, I suppose... I suppose you could define God's voice as a massive blast of energy. They don't mean it that way. they mean that the universe exploded <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, uh, but at any rate, we have those those things out there floating around And he says, but uh, what fa- fa- what faith causes us to understand about the world is that... God created it, earth, sky, and the space. And he spoke it into existence. And there's five things I think that are kind of notable here about uh, about what the what these simple words have to say. Now, first of all, it said the world is not eternal. Actually, this is two things rolled into one. The world is not eternal and it didn't produce itself. It had a beginning. Genesis 1. And following, it has an end. Revelation 21 and following. This universe as we know it had a beginning and it has an end. It's within the framework of time. It's not eternal. And in fact, Peter goes on to tell us that it burns up. Second Peter uh, three three seven. Uh, that's that's the, the, the idea here. And secondly, it didn't produce itself a bunch of gas didn't get to circulating around some dirt and create a flat plane out of which evolved universes. And something that was hanging out there in space didn't explode into a bunch of universes. Now the voice of God spoke into the nothing and created. That's that's the idea here. Uh, Secondly... The verse declares, and Scripture declares, that God is the maker of the universe. Genesis 1-2 says that the Spirit was involved in the creation of the universe. And Hebrews 1-10 tells us that Christ was involved in the creation of the universe. So the reality is the, the entirety of the triune God brought the universe into existence. That's, that's, that's what the scripture, scriptures tell us. Hebrews 11, excuse me, mm-hmm. Romans 11.36. It's in here somewhere. Oh, here we go. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. In this place, in this instance, it's talking about the preeminence of Christ. He's, he's the agent by which God built the universe, brought the universe into existence. So, so first of all, the universe is not t- eternal and it didn't produce itself. God produced it. That's the second thing. God made the universe. Thirdly, these are the things that this text tells us we are to believe. The world was created with exactness. Have you ever stopped to think, if the earth's tilt changed, we'd all be dead. If the rotation changed, we'd all be dead. If somehow we moved closer or farther from the sun, we'd all be dead. It's exact. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. It turns at the speed it's supposed to turn. It's at the angle it's supposed to be, and all of that also produces the various seasons, so that things grow, and the wor- world gets watered. Well, unless you live here, then we pump it out of the ground. But anyway, uh, but anyway, the world the, wor- the world gets watered. I was in. Uh, I know some of you have been to Israel, but. Uh, when, when I was there, when we went, one of the things that really... There's a lot of things that fascinated me, but this kind of fascinated me. We went to the Dead Sea. You know, my impression was the Dead Sea, everything's dead, right? We get down there, and there's banana orchards everywhere, you know? And, I, and I'm looking, and they've got a pipeline cut into the rock, bringing water down there. And they And this was before any of you had a sprinkler system, because I went in 79. So there was... They had sprinkler systems, or not sprinkler systems, but drip systems. Excuse me, drip systems. They had drip systems for all these banana trees. And I asked a guy about them. He goes, he goes, yeah. He says the only problem is we have to replant them every two years because they don't last. But you know, it's amazing. Just a little bit of water can do. But God produced all that. He made all that stuff. We're spending billions of dollars to try to find life somewhere else. I don't know <laughs> if you realize that, but billions of your tax dollars go into that. My grandson. Um, recently graduated from uh, Barrett's College at ASU, the, their Honors College at ASU. And they basically, they're, uh, he, he's also a geologist. But, it, but at any rate, um, uh, uh, their specialty is space geology. Well, he doesn't want to do his master's there because he wants to go into hydrology. And, and uh, uh, he doesn't want to go into space geology. And he says, the problem is all the funding is about finding life, not of finding rocks. You know, so moon rocks are out now. It's space people. But, but, uh, uh, but, but you know, that, that's, that's the world we live in. We, we don't want to understand that God made this world with perfection. In Genesis 3.31, it says, Then God saw everything that he made, and behold, behold it was very good means it was perfect. It was made with exactness. Fourthly, he says, the world was made by the word of God. As we've already seen, it was through the Son. It was an act of his will. It was out of his wisdom that the world was built. It was built by his word. He simply spoke it into existence. You go back to Genesis 1 and you read, you read the account. And with each of the six days, God said, let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. And oh, by the way, he says it was a day and a night. One day. There is a theory uh, that runs around out there that tries to explain that, where some scientists try to explain that. And basically this theory is based on, on uh, and once again it's a theory, it's not proven, you know. Um, it's based on uh, Einstein's theory of, of uh, relativity. And it basically basically the best way to explain it is if you were to stand in the back of my pickup and I was going down the street at 60 miles an hour and you were throwing a ball up in the air, Uh, You throwing the ball up in the air and catching it would represent a day. It went up and it came down. But during that day, my pickup traveled 60 miles an hour down the road. So the time was much more than a day. Well, that's nonsense. Just take what God said. He did it in this amount of time. Why is it so hard to believe that a God who could call the universe into existence could do it in a 24-hour period? But nevertheless, uh, that's... Well, 23 hours and so many minutes. But at any rate, whatever the exact time is, it it says God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God spoke the world into existence. God did it with exactness. God did it by his word. That's number four. God did it by his word. He did it through the Son. The spirit was involved. The wholeness of the Godhead was involved. It was out of the wisdom of God, Nehemiah. And I guess we're going to start studying Ezra and Nehemiah at night here pretty soon. Is this five now? Uh, No, this is... We're still on four? This is still four. I I got carried away. Okay. Margaret, you know me for a long time. I get carried away. (laughs) You are the Lord... You are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heavens and the, uh, uh, you have made, you have made heaven, the heaven and the heavens with all, all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You have preserved all of them and the host of heaven worship you. That's, that's the view. That's, that's how we understand that the world was made. And then fifthly, here's five faith begins with believing God. That's that's where it begins. Faith begins, by faith we understand. That's another way of saying, by faith we believe. Faith begins with believing God. It's taking God's word and believing, holding to, knowing that it is true. John 17, 17, Jesus said, thy word is truth. He called the world into existence out of nothing, and he commanded everything that was made to be made. That's, that's, that's the starting point of faith. That's, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Before we get into all these people who God commended for their faith, the first thing you better understand is who you're dealing with. God, the creator of everything that is. Faith is based upon that. Faith is based upon uh, the assurance and the conviction of things that are not seen. It's 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 what commends men to God and it begins with understanding the very first words he said in the beginning God created. God gives us gives us the The truest and most exact account of the origin of things. Faith is believing God and taking him at his word and acting upon it. Look at verse, what does verse 6 say? And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. That's, That's what he's saying here. That's what he's telling us as we come to this text. I'm getting done early today, I don't believe it. But at any, but at any rate, the point, here, the point here is that before he begins this text, is to these people who were, lived in this Jewish community, second, second generation believers, still in the first century A.D., who are just prior to imperial persecution, but facing a lot of pressure and, and, and turmoil from their relatives about their new faith and trying to draw them back into Judaism, back into this work system. The author here says, no, 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 no. Being right with God is living in faith. The righteous shall live by faith. He's already said that in verse 38. uh, 38, 38. Uh, He says, they'll live by faith. And he goes on in verse 39 and tells them of chapter 10, that that's how they preserve their souls. That's our perseverance, is that we live by faith. Uh, that's how we live. And, we, and he says that, that faith that faith is not a pie in the sky. It's a firm foundation. It's an assurance. You can have full assurance in who you have put your trust. It's a conviction of the things we have yet to see, to know that they will happen. And then we have this whole list of people from the second man ever born on the planet. Through the prophets that all lived by faith. Look back at them. Look how they lived. Look how they expressed their faith. And he says, and the beginning point for you is taking God at his word and believing it. Taking God at his word and believing it. And living there. Any comments or questions this morning? I was really amused that you were talking about all the specificness with which God created the world, because we may not think about it, but fourteen-year-olds do. Yeah. Fourteen-year-olds are like, but Miss Lund, did you? What if the world was tilted differently? But what if this and <laughs> is something for which I am thankful that I get to point to the Bible and go, "See this? God did it. It's perfect. You're okay." Yeah. Like when I don't have answers. He I said it ask. was. He said it was good. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> but we can yeah. rely God's goodness that He made it exactly the way it had to be. Exactly. It, it's precisely correct. That's the, that's, and that's the point the author's trying to make here. God did it with exactness. Yeah. Okay. Um, just one other thing in, uh, 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, uh, talking about, uh, not seeing, you know, faith, you don't see it, but you have it and everything, um, uh, First Peter one eight nine says, whom having not seen, you loved." He's talking about Jesus. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So this is our thing now. We don't see him, but we believe.
1: Yeah, and, so
0: we hang on to that. And Peter was writing to uh, to second generation believers as well, because. By the time Peter wrote, there weren't a whole lot of the eyewitnesses still left. There were still a bunch around. And, and of course, Peter was one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to them, yeah, you didn't see him. I mean, he's already said, but I did. But yeah. you didn't yeah, see him. He yeah, yeah. And, he, and they traveled out and into other places. And he said, you didn't see him, but you believe. You know, and that's faith. That's, that's part of faith. Uh, we, we've never seen the face of Jesus But, uh, 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 and despite the fact that some claim otherwise, he's never audibly spoken to you. Uh, Dr. MacArthur told a story in chapel one time that uh, he has a friend who is a charismatic, that they have lunch occasionally, and they kind of go back and forth. I know who the guy is, but anyway. The guy told him, he said, he said they were talking one day, and he says, you know, The chrismatic said this, not MacArthur. Uh, uh, Just to be clear. (laughs) The the guy said, you know, every morning when I'm shaving, Jesus comes to the bathroom and talks to me. And he looked at MacArthur and says, you don't believe that, do you? And he says, you know, it's not a question of whether I believe it or not. My question is, what do you do when Jesus comes into your bathroom? (laughs) Do you keep shaving or do you fall on your face as if you were dead? There's the question, you know, the closest human being to Jesus in his earthly ministry, when he saw him in his glory, fell on his face as if he was dead. Revelation chapter one, John, the apostle, you know, uh, that's, that's the thing. You know, we, we believe, uh, we believe, uh, we, we put faith in, in what God has said in his word. And of course, once you've come to salvation and you have the resident holy spirit within you who illuminates the word to you causes you to understand it and you understand that neither me nor or steve really is your teacher the holy spirit is we're just supposed to help you along we're support staff to help you grow that's the reality of who teachers and pastors and are and and uh <clears throat> and 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 it's the Holy Spirit who causes us to grow and makes that reality a truth in our heart that we can believe and we can hold to. Because um, we're we're not going to do it on our own. You're going to be like my brother. I did all these great things, and therefore I've got all these credentials after my name, and therefore God will have to accept me, and I have no fear. fear. I have fear every time I hear him say that, but nevertheless, you know, uh, that's that's the reality here. Yeah, you know you know we haven't seen jesus you you know we've seen pictures of him that are probably not anywhere near accurate you know middle age middle middle ages uh catholic people painted them <laughs> and somehow he's a caucasian guy with very flowing hair yeah that's real pretty yeah it looks real pretty he probably was pretty rugged you know he lived outside for all his life <laughs> you know and uh and his skin was probably pretty olive. <laughs> you know? I don't know that, but I suspect it. Anyway. And there was nothing about him that was appealing to people. What well, was that verse where it says there was nothing about him? Yeah, he had no he had no, no comeliness. There that's the word the scripture uses, comeliness. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh now we've used up the time. <laughs> let's close. Father God, we thank you this morning as we as we begin this section on on faith and seeing seeing how faith was demonstrated in the lives of of of, of our ancestors in faith, and that Father, we would uh, learn from them as we move through this text, uh, that we would understand and and be bring our faith more fully into conformity with You, with Your Word, that we would understand even better what it means. Uh, To be assured to stand on that firm, solid rock foundation that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. To have the convictions steeped within us. And may we one day likewise be commended for our faith. And we start with believing your word from beginning to end. And we thank you and we praise you for this time in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.